Welcome to the Running in the Center of the Universe podcast. I'm Ashlyn Dave, your host. We've got a great show lined up, so let's get started. And this is Ashlyn Dave, and this is the Running in the Center of the Universe podcast, episode 288. Call this one Blue is Dead. I'll get to that in a minute. But the first thing I need to talk about is where have I been for the last few months? Well, a lot of things have changed. Um, as they say, when you retire, you're busier than you ever were. Uh, so I've been retired from police work three years. Uh, I do I do work in a full time job, but boy, I've uh, I got so much going on with uh, home life, my daughter, stuff with my wife, family things. And hardly any of it, any of it's been involved with running, and so that's why there's really been no podcast. The podcast started back in 2008. I did that to kind of hold myself accountable for the running I was trying to do, some of the events I was trying to accomplish, distances I was trying to cover, and it's come a long way. And I guess uh, was that 14 years. Um, so here I am with the episode 288. And I don't really have any excuses for why the show hadn't come out. Um, I haven't been doing any running. I'll talk about the uh, injury I had that I've uh, recovered from finally. Talk about that in a little bit. Um, but we kind of live in a time. It, t- times are very strange in America right now. We live in a time where intelligent people are kind of being silenced. So stupid people don't get offended. And for some reason that affects me. I'm not really sure why. Um it just does, and sometimes it's hard to find the, the motivation to sit down where I can speak for 30 minutes without stopping and not uh, just be a real asshole about things. And um, sometimes it's uh, what they say, it's uh, if you can't say anything nice, it's better not to say anything at all. So maybe that's kind of where I've been for the last few months. But I had dinner with a uh, couple last night, uh, my wife and I did, and an old friend, Sandy, her husband, Eric, uh, some folks I've known for a long time. actually met him through the podcast, but over the years, we've become friends in person and uh, done some visiting and whatnot, and uh, over the love of running, but then that, you know, that's evolved to other things, and, you know, she told me that she just kind of clicks and looks for the latest show if I got one out, and um, the last, you know, I, I don't measure my success by downloads, but I do look at that because the podbean.com website tells me how many people downloaded the show. So you look at that and I know over the years I've lost listeners, which is fine because I never looked to make money out of things uh, with the podcast. I never did. Uh, I think, I, well, I tried for a little bit to see if that would work out just to uh, make a little side, you know, a little side hustle. Just wasn't worth it. Uh, and that wasn't why I was doing the show. And so... I'm doing this show tonight uh, here on the week of uh, May 21st, 2022. Kind of guilted out of uh, doing it a little bit. And um, so some things have transpired over the last few months. Uh, first thing I got to say is my dog Blue died. And if you've been a listener to the show for a long time, and I know I say that all the time, but Blue was born October 31st, 2008, and he died February 11th of uh, of this year and he was 13 and we sure miss him a whole lot. Uh, he had, he ran with me hundreds of miles over his lifetime and he was my running buddy. I've had running buddies before him with the other dogs, but you know, you get really close to a dog when you're out there and they get excited when you got your, they know when you got your running shoes on or when you come down the stairs and you sit at the last two steps and put on, you know, put on your socks and your shoes and they can tell. I sure miss him a whole lot, but it was time for him to, it was time for him, it was just time for us to put him down, and uh, we had a a veterinarian come out to the house uh, because our local vet, you had to, they had this weird procedure where you got to just do a drop off or some stupid ass shit like that. I know this is a clean podcast for the most part, but I just, I wasn't going to do that. Uh, we wanted our whole family to be there, and, and uh, from what I understood, there was only one person allowed at this place, and 
that's a vet we've been going to a long time. And um, anyway, we had we found somebody else who came out to the house and did a, a, a private service here, and that was real nice. And uh, so we sure miss Blue, but we we have Twyla, uh, which uh, her nickname is Baby. Uh, she's over a year now, and she was going to be my new running dog, but uh, then I got uh, tendonitis, hamstring tendonitis, and uh, just to go back a few months, I on the day of the Super Bowl was when I, I remembered, uh, I kind of marked that day, I had it before that, where I would have to keep my leg kind of, my right leg straightened out, because behind my knee was just cramping up all the time, and I didn't know what it was, I thought maybe I had, I mean, I'm 53 now, but back, I mean, I just turned 53, but I was thinking maybe, do I have some kind of early onset arthritis or, or something? It was, my knee was just hurting all the time. I'd get up. Uh, if I sat for any period of time, it would just feel like the muscle was cramping uh, after a while. So I marked, uh, I guess, what was that, February 13th or the 12th? I'm not sure when the Super Bowl was, but I remember watching, watching it here at the house, and I had to have my leg up on the ottoman and keep my right leg stretched out. And then I think I waited maybe another month and a half, two months, and finally said, you know, this is not going away. I'm not sure what it is. So I finally went to see a professional. Uh, same one that I went to when I had the uh, heel problem, that uh, they fixed that, uh, they fixed this. And so over the last few weeks, I've kind of dabbled a little bit more into doing some little runs. And today I did uh, 6.2, and I'll – talk about that in a minute why um that was a distance i did today so i'm kind of back a little bit doing some small runs and um you know the last two years were the were the first time or first years i hadn't done a marathon or an ultra since 2006 and so that kind of set in a little bit with my psyche uh normally i'm a pretty resilient person and i don't get really affected you know being in police work for 27 years i just kind of a hard ass. And, um, but, uh, some of the setbacks I had physically, uh, and then with the pandemic, I just kind of just things got weird and, um, I don't know. So here I am. That's, that's the reason uh, I can't even explain that the three months lapse of the podcast. Um, you know, other things, uh, we went down to a show in uh, Norfolk, Virginia, saw Jersey boys with another couple, um, on the way back on uh, six, uh, Interstate, Interstate 64, there's these memorials for fallen law enforcement, you know, where they died or for whatever. There's a road named after them. And, like, we saw three, and I'm like, man, I knew these three guys. It's just just a lot of weird stuff, man. Uh, one of them I went to high school with, Mark Barrett, uh, Trooper Mark Barrett. He, dr- he drowned in a training accident. And um, – just a lot of stuff kind of set in. Uh, I wouldn't say I'm depressed because I'm not. It's just there's just a lot of things that go on, and you're like, oh, I need to get you know get a podcast out. I need to do a show. There's all these uh, nobody you know waiting to, waiting for it and all that. Uh, but I um, I do enjoy do enjoy doing the podcast. It's just hard to uh, sit down and be motivated to uh, speak about things. And so here I am right now. Um, week of May 21st, 2022, I've got, uh, my wife went out tonight with my daughter to, uh, see the Downton Abbey movie that came out and I knew I'd have some time. So I would sit down and do a show. And what I'm going to do is, um, I'm actually going to put on the tail end of this podcast, an encore presentation of episode number 10 from, of, of the, uh, running in the center of the view, running in the center of the universe podcast. I can't even uh, speak anymore. It seems. Um, episode 10 from 2008, which is horrible. And I know that, uh, but it's kind of, um, kind of where things started. And I kind of thought, you know what, what I need to do is kind of get back a little bit to why I started doing this podcast. Cause I want to start doing the distance running again. And today was uh, very encouraging. Although it was really hot in, um, Ashland today in Virginia, mid nineties, uh, it was brutal just doing the right, uh, the run we did today. Um, but I still have the stand up and be counted campaign. Uh, looking forward to episode 300. That's at ashlandave at gmail.com. Send me your email, put you on the list. 
I do have a few on there already, even though it's been three months since the last show. Um, but the future of the podcast at this point is probably going to be a couple, some thoughts mixed in with some encore presentations of previous shows. I mean, this is 288 episodes. This is what this one is since 2008. And I don't do them weekly. And I know there's people that, that make money on their podcast and have advertised ones and probably have done thousands. Uh, but this has always been a grassroots podcast from the very beginning. Just, I mean, I almost, I looked at episode one. I was listening to that before I started producing this episode, thinking, oh, I should put that one out there. And that one is just terrible. Actually, episode 10 is terrible. I mean, with the music and the experimentation I was doing with the music and this and that. Uh, so I'll do some of those. Um, Sandy really has inspired me to, to start it up again and keep, you know, keep something going out at least every two weeks if I can. If I can. It's hard to do. Um, this past weekend, I was involved with the Ashland Railroad Run, which is the 10K that's been going on. It was a 43rd year uh, here in Ashland. Um, that and the Stratford Hills 10K are the longest running 10K races in the Richmond uh, metro area. So there's a little bit of a tradition here. It's a much smaller race than others. This year there was uh, 260 uh, runners for, for the uh, events. And we're going to be changing the course, I hope. There was one person that – there's one year that, uh, we did the virtual – when I say we, I wasn't involved in the last couple of years – but my wife was on the board of the, uh, it's sponsored by the Hanover Arts and Activities Center. And my wife was on the board and they did uh, virtual races because, you know, that's what people were doing during this pandemic and all, all this and that. And so it, it's, it's still been going on. It just wasn't actually on the road. So I guess you can say it's still been going. I mean, one would hope. I mean, I guess if that would ever be challenged by somebody you know, hey, during the pandemic, you know, people did what they could, but the race was 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 put on each year. If it was virtual, that's you know, I did it one. I did um, I didn't do it the second year it was virtual. I did it the first year, got the shirt, but I couldn't. I wasn't able to post my time, so there were some hiccups here and there. But this year it was in person, and it was just last weekend on May fourteenth, and I was a marshal at one of the key intersections and. Uh, each year, I did all the I did the pre race announcements like I did back when I was the director ten years, um, twelve years ago, and I kind of consulted while they were setting up. I had one guy come find me on the course and told me that I tricked him and that I sent him the wrong way. And I got to preface my remarks by saying I wore a tacky hat, I wore tacky shorts, I had a orange uh, vest on. And I was literally in the middle of that intersection directing runners one way or the other based on if they'd come through there before. And for three hours, I was out there. Even the walkers, I engaged them. And I had one person come up and find me down on the course. And he told me that I tricked him. And I sent him the wrong way. And uh, he had an accent, so I wasn't quite able to figure out exactly what he was talking about until maybe 10 minutes into the conversation. And he said that he said he could not remember when he came through the first time if he had seen me before. And I said, dude, that's on you, man. I said, every year there's one that doesn't figure out which way to go. You're supposed to you know, read the maps. And I'm in the middle of the intersection for three hours engaging all the runners, and I don't know how you missed it. And each year there's always one person. I don't know why. I felt bad for him because we had to strike his uh, finish time from the record because he didn't do the full course. And there was some other issue. Well, when I say we, I reported it to the race director and, you know, they make the decision. But um, that's just a shame that something like that happens. Um, I had that confrontational feeling that, you know, somebody was mad and they blamed me. And there's always something better that everybody can do when, when there's a conflict. You know, there's. So I just felt kind of bad about that. Um, the. But the weird thing was, was I was about three quarters of a mile from the finish line, my uh, marshal post, and this runner came and found me and put his finger up in my face and said, you tricked me. And I didn't understand what this man was talking about at first. I mean, I was still engaging with, with runners and, well, some of the walkers were coming through at that point. 
I just felt bad. So we're going to try to just eliminate that whole situation and, and look at this course. We, we, uh, the ex- uh, certification expired. So that's not an issue at this point. Um, it's a good event. It is, it brings people up to the small town. Um, but there's always people that, well, each year there's always been one person that, that missed turns and they get mad and it's never two or three. It's always one. And, Lots of people, they're wearing their headphones. They, they're like, they come up four feet from me saying, where do I go? And I'm, I've already been directing them and they don't know. And I don't know why they got the music so loud or whatever they're listening to. And, um, I mean, there's even people that ran the wrong way, even though we were directing them the other way, they just like, I don't know. It's so strange. And I know that I've been in a zone myself. Not really with the 10K, maybe with longer stuff, but I just felt bad. And so we're going to look at the course. We got some new trails in the town of Ashland that have been constructed since last year. There's a new, uh, like there's a creek that divides the town from the county. And there's now a nice wooden bridge over that creek. And there's some trails that go on the other side and that are kind of on the board of this new subdivision that, that's been put in. We're not really sure who owns the property over there. The, the, the trails were open to people, but I'm not sure whoever owns that property, if they're going to be open to, you know, a couple hundred runners coming through there on a Saturday morning. I think we can eliminate this issue. So there's some things to, to look at. We've got some uh, my regular Wolfpack group that I run with on Saturday mornings or somehow work with uh, when I was hurt even managed to get out there and do something they got lots of ideas uh i will not i'm probably just gonna be on the sidelines next time around if somebody wants to change this course i'm gonna encourage them to do it i'll give them my ideas i'll maybe be, sit on the committee but i am not gonna spearhead this i'm not gonna i, I actually tried my wife was a race director with another woman and i tried to talk her out of doing it because uh, it's just so much work. Even for a small event, there's so many details. There really are. It's not something that you just show up on Friday, do a packet pickup, and then you run the event on Saturday. And the people now, you know, they want chip timing. We had people, when I say we, uh, my wife Monica told me later that there was people that said, you know, you guys need to have medals for this. Like, you don't get a medal for a 10K. It, it's That's for marathons, in my opinion. But the Monument Avenue 10K, which is the big uh, 10K race in Richmond that's been going on for about 20 years now, uh, maybe not that long. You know, they have all kinds of stuff to get people to, to you know, participate in that. But uh, we'll have to look at that. The, that just costs more. The, the, whole, the whole point of the railroad run is to raise money for the Hanover Arts and Activity Center. Uh, Activity Center, which is a very old building is a community center that holds uh, wedding receptions, all kinds of other things. There's uh, groups that meet there. It's a very old building. It was a, a church during the civil war that was converted into a hospital. Um, and it was uh, probably around for 50 years before that. So it's a pretty old building that requ- you know requires a lot of maintenance. Um, so that's, that's the fundraiser for that. And that's why it's hard to do all these other expenditures um, and just a little side note, uh, over the years, the five, there's been a 5k fun walk slash run that has become a bigger event than the 10k because people want to race the 5k now and they want it certified and they want, they want this and that and want everything. And I don't know, maybe the, the money has to be spent. You jack up the, uh, entry fees. Um, I mean, gosh, there's, I don't know what the Monument Avenue 10k registration was i think it was close to 80 dollars if it wasn't more than that uh we charge 40 for the railroad run i mean it's just a small town race that brings out several hundred people i don't know times are changing uh we have to change with the times so i don't know that's my soapbox for me week of may 21st 2022 please enjoy this encore presentation of episode 10 from 2008 These are hard-to-get recordings, by the way. Um, Enjoy this, and I'll have something to say on the other side.
pass on Dave, and I'm running in the center of the universe. It is the week of May 9th, 2008. This is podcast episode number 10. It is about 75 degrees on a beautiful spring afternoon. Almost perfect conditions to run in, except that there's not enough uh, cool air. It's still, the air is kind of humid. So uh, I'll be sweating plenty by the time I'm done. Again, I'm going to do five miles. And this is pretty much second to last week of uh, keeping my mileage down. I'll be increasing it here soon. And my body's, I think, thanking me for taking the break after the March Marathon because... I just physically needed the break. <laughs> and uh, I'm going to be talking about mental toughness in this episode and some things that I've learned about it. Some of the things that I've learned along the way may or may not help you if you're interested. But uh, there's a couple things that have been going on that I've learned over the course of this week that my uh, good friend Bob has a stress fracture in his left foot, left leg. So he is out for a couple weeks. And I don't know if he'll be doing the Yotta Banks Marathon or not. I haven't heard anything from him on that definitively. So kind of disappointed there. Uh, maybe he'll make a comeback. He's going to be coaching the half marathon training group starting up this Saturday. He'll just sit out for a couple weeks, do some physical therapy. And, and also the other reason I want to talk about, well, I don't even know if I gave a first reason, <laughs> but uh, one reason I do want to talk about mental toughness is because uh, fall marathon season is approaching and training for that, if you're middle of the pack or such as me, We'll begin within a few weeks. So if you've made a decision to sign up for a race, register, which is the hardest part of the whole marathon training program. And I'll talk about that too. Um, I guess now's the time to start making that decision whether you're you're gonna actually start the training. And uh that I have a couple ways that I do that to keep reminding myself of my decision to do it. I'll put symbols up in the house. One is a 26.2 magnet that is currently on my refrigerator, but it will be moved up to my bedroom. So I see it every day. I get up. And that helps me remind myself of the decision I made to run another marathon. Anyway, mental toughness. And what is it anyway? Well, I really don't know. <laughs> it's, uh, I think I'm pretty mentally tough. The, uh, hardest part I guess about defining mental toughness is everybody's gonna define it a little bit differently. I mean, I'm a middle-of-the-pack runner, so my definition of mental toughness equals a four-and-a-half-hour marathon, being able to keep my body powered through that, whereas some faster runners might say, huh, four-and-a-half, yeah, would you walk? No. <laughs> I know I didn't walk, but so this podcast is really geared towards people who are probably in the five, four to five and a half hour marathon pace, uh, range, finishing time range. And um, I mean, that's what I am. So if you're not, you know, you can listen to this for pure entertainment value, but it's probably not gonna benefit you much. Anyway, mental toughness involves being able to cope with physical demands that are placed upon your body. 
sometimes these physical demands are a little unreasonable because your brain is going to seek self-preservation whenever unreasonable physical demands are being placed on it. And what I mean by that, and I think I'm going to start rambling, but I guess that's why I'm doing this. Um, and I'm not even talking about the training yet. Let me, damn car won't let me pass. Um, your body gets in very unpleasant situations, such as running in the heat or overheating. That's when the brain kicks in and seeks self-preservation. And your body will almost automatically stop running, even if you didn't make a conscious effort to do so, unless you've already kind of pre-programmed it for that. But So when you get in a very unpleasant situation, such as those last few miles of a marathon, and if it's your first, you've never been there before, you might have been on a couple 20-milers, but you've never been past that threshold that a lot of people refer to as the wall. You might get a little antsy and it might be kind of hard. You might want to start walking. And uh, if you haven't already prearranged in your head for those episodes to occur, you'll find yourself very surprised when your body automatically starts walking, even if you don't want to. And I know this for a fact because it happened to me in November of 2006 when I ran the Richmond Marathon, which was my first. Bob Brown ran the last few miles with me. And he let me go in on my own. And uh, there were times where I really did want to keep running, but I was so done. Plus, it was really hot that day. And uh, different things happen to your body when it's hot. So. I've always found it helpful to prepare for long runs, training runs, you know, 18, 20 miles, even 16 mile runs. Anything that's going to put you running over two hours is a pretty long time. You're going to run into trouble, and uh, it's good to uh, have yourself some preparation ahead of time to accomplish that. I read somewhere once that a pioneer along the Oregon Trail once said this about the Oregon Trail, and that is, the cowards never start and the weak die along the way. And, uh, well, I don't think that's completely analogous to marathon running, but it's pretty damn close. I mean, I wouldn't call everybody that doesn't sign up a coward because some people just aren't runners. Some people aren't interested in that distance. Um, some people can't run that distance physically. I mean, they're not cowards. They sure they're successful in other parts of life. But if you kind of loosely apply it to what you're trying to accomplish, the hardest part is signing up for a marathon. Because what you're doing is you're basically making a public statement that I'm going to train and run a marathon. And you're undoubtedly going to share that with other people. That uh, what you did signing up. Then that starts making the dream alive. And the hardest part is signing up. The rest is just uh, miles on your feet. And following a plan having some self-discipline. Now, I'm not saying that if you don't finish a marathon, you're weak. I mean, people can have physical injuries. Um, but essentially what that quote is saying to me is that it takes a lot of courage for you to sign up, train, or run a marathon, and it's only those strong-willed people that finish. I mean, there are plenty of people that quit or walk in, give up altogether. So I thought that was pretty interesting. I like that. I, don't, I can't remember when people settled the Oregon Territory or anything. My guess is it's somewhere between. Hey, how you doing? 
I always run slow. This is as fast as I can go. <laughs> that old man telling me I'm running slow. <laughs> uh, maybe I should revisit that quote. <laughs> anyway, uh, I forgot where I was. Okay. So the, I guess people settled the Oregon, went out to Oregon, somewhere between colonial times. I guess cowboy times, which some of those are kind of intermixed anyway. So, being mentally tough will teach you a lot about yourself. If uh, first marathon is always hard, you'll be very disappointed if you're a middle of the packer and you sign up. And, for, and all you're trying to do is get a specific time instead of enjoying the experience. Because what if you don't get that time that you want? You'll look at your first marathon experience as kind of a waste. But, I don't know, I'm kind of mixing my thoughts here, but because I can really only talk about my experience. This is a running podcast, and I don't do research about other people's experiences in uh, elite races or anything. So I only know what I've experienced. But I know that um, my first marathon experience was just to finish and secretly was to uh, beat my dad's time when he ran the year before. But that was the subject of another podcast. Anyway, there's a couple things that are associated with being mentally tough and being able to accomplish that distance, which is not called a marathon, because it's easy. Believe me, it is hard. You have to have an unshakable belief in yourself and to achieve your goal. If you start your training and continue to stay focused on uh, the end day of your training, being the marathon day and every day that you run you think about that and you visualize yourself finishing that's got to have an impact on race day because you've been thinking every day about finishing seeing yourself cross the finish line covering 26.2 miles that is a long way some people don't even drive that to work have to have an unshakable belief in yourself and it's not cockiness or arrogance nothing like that I mean you just got to believe that you can do it because if you don't have the confidence and you think during the course of your training and I'm saying follow a pre a prescribed plan don't just go out there and try to do it yourself try to follow the plan of someone else that's done it before and there's plenty of beginner plans um, I'm not gonna promote anything over the other I know it works for me but you got to try different things uh, but mine I just run three days a week but uh but they're all long runs it seems anyway you got to have that unshakable belief in your own ability to achieve the goal of running a marathon you can't let anything shake you off of that if you have a bad run during training, you have to kind of shake that off. Not every day is going to be a grand day. In fact, you're going to have some down days. Your last 20 mile or before the race itself might even be a disaster altogether. And that may happen. Hell, all your long runs might really suck. But if you still have that unshakable belief in yourself all along the way that you can do it, knowing there you're probably going to have to have at least one long, good long training run, but that is one characteristic that will help greatly. The second one is kind of similar to the first is that you, it's motivation, you have to stay motivated, but you have to be, oh God, I got another bug in my mouth. You have to be able to bounce back from training failures. And when I mean a training failure, you could, I guess a synonym of that might be a, a bad day. Bad day training is kind of a little bit of a failure. 
your body may have failed you for that day or you didn't feel properly for a long run and you kind of bonked out at the end had to walk a little bit that's okay in training nothing wrong with that at all um, but you have to be able to bounce back from that and have a and as your next with your next training session have a good one and not let that little failure or setback set the tone for the rest of your training that'll make you mentally tough if you're able to do that because that's going to equate on race day to, to being able to cope with the extreme unpleasantness that you're going to feel in those waning miles of the race now if you like me when you say the word race it's really the race against the clock i'm not going to win anything i've accepted that a long time ago but there's something about going to the race that gives anxiety nervousness stomach gets upset and or you might be running at a different time of day Lots, a lot of variables there that can mess things up but if you've already kind of coped with some of the bad situations in training and turn those into successes such as your next training day being a success feeling good about it forgetting about the bad stuff um, and I wrote some of this on my uh, I did a blog entry back in February about mental toughness somebody once asked Jack Nicholas in a in an interview about a bad shot that he made and either lost a tournament or didn't make it to a playoff or something and he said he didn't remember the bad shot even though the interviewer did he said he made it a habit not to remember his bad shots because they didn't get him anywhere and he remembered the good shots the ones that propelled him forward and those are the ones that he focused on and I would suggest that that was that's an ideal thing to do in your marathon training focus on those good days document the bad days in your training log don't dwell on them you're a human being your body's going to go up and down in the, what I call biorhythms of uh, of life some days I guess the extreme is manic depressive <laughs> Hey, here comes the train. I was, play I was playing chicken with the train. He told me the blue was horn to get me off the tracks. <laughs> All right. I think a key ingredient to being mentally tough for the marathon is able to overcome the frustration you're going to experience. I, uh, I claim to have not been mentally tough when I ran my first marathon, but by the time I ran my third, I did claim, do claim to be mentally tough. And let me show you the difference. At least this is just in my experience, and I'm certainly not trying to sound vain or anything, but... What happened to me was that between miles 16 and 17, at the first marathon I ran, I started developing a stomach cramp that wouldn't go away. And my brain started using that as a crutch to say, my God, I'm never going to finish this. What am I doing out here? Why did I ever start any of this? This is a mile 16. I'd already done two 20-mile training runs, which were good. All right, I got some friends here. So, just saw some friends there. That... All right, so around mile 16, I was by myself. I had been running with some other people, but I got split up. I was just getting an overall bad attitude. It was getting hot outside. Had to, I was so beat. I actually had some thoughts of walking the last 10.2 miles. It was just an awful feeling. Because I wasn't ready to be there. I wasn't ready to be in those circumstances. I thought that would happen around mile 21 or 22. And I wasn't even ready. I wasn't even ready for what happened at 21 or 22 anyway. 
I took a walk break. I just got through the water stops. Somehow I got to the end of that distance. I don't know how that happened. It was just brutal. I felt so weak and worthless. My body just wasn't propelling myself, and my brain didn't even know what to do. Because I hadn't been there in my training. I didn't have any kind of plan or anything to think about for when I got in that negative situation. So let me contrast that to my third marathon, which was this past March, where that was 20 minutes faster than my first marathon. I probably trained less, but a lot of my training was mental training. I got that magnet. Every day I woke up, thought about the distance. I mean, it didn't, it didn't become an unhealthy obsession. It wasn't that bad. But running a marathon is not for the uh, weak and wary. You know, there's training for it. You do have to make some adaptations in your life. You do have to kind of put it up there as a priority. Because you'll never make it if you don't. I mean, I guess there's a few people that can just go out there and run it, but not me. to compare the first one to the third one. I never had any self-doubt. I never had the feeling that I wanted to stop or give up. Of course, having the experience of two ahead of that does help, but I mean, I never had. I felt strong, and it was such a remarkable feeling to, to come in under the time I had wanted to get several minutes. Oh, what a feeling that was. But during my training runs, I mentally prepared myself for if I hit the wall, what am I going to do? And for me, I fueled up a lot differently, which I think helped. Um, and I just kept telling myself, all right, if you hit the wall, focus on the next aid station, walk through it, reevaluate. And it... It helped me. I mean, all it is, what you're doing is you're tricking your brain. And uh, that and some other things worked for me. I had written some reminders on my arm so I didn't lose track. And what you got to do is per basically program your brain during training that you're going to succeed. You have to tell yourself. It has to tell yourself that. It has to be self-talk. Because there's really no one going to tell you that on race day unless you're running with a partner. I mean, people who are watching, unless they've run a marathon, they don't know what you're going through. They know it's hard on your body, but your body can handle it. It's your brain that wants to give up unless you've trained it. you got to train the legs, cover the distance. you got to train the brain to get them there. Maybe thinking, why does he keep talking about all this mental toughness stuff? Well, because it worked for me. It really did. I remember several occasions training last summer before I ran Baltimore. And uh, in Baltimore, I had a very good finishing time for me, 431.40. And I did hill training. How hard that was in the seat in the summer. I remember just thinking how important it was. Hey, how you doing? I just remember thinking how important it was to do it and how I would benefit from it on race day. And it did. And it was the rewarding feeling. It's hard to describe. So non-marathon runners don't understand why, we, why you want to run a marathon. It's the ultimate distance. I mean, of course there's ultras. That's because people can't get enough for 26.2 miles. But 26.2 miles is long enough. And uh, you never get through the end unless you don't have, unless your brain is screwed in right. So I'll talk more about that as the summer goes on. Hey, how's it going?
A little warmer today than I thought, huh? special marathon episode before I run the Outer Banks Marathon. I've already been putting together some pieces of material for that and try to figure out, he's just fighting myself, why this marathon is so magnetic, why I got hooked on it after I ran my first one. Of course, I will admit that when I was running my first one, I said over and over, I will never do this again. I was in a very bad place. I was in a very bad place mentally. I, I didn't even know what to think about. But I've come a long way. Man, I guess the most I could do is share it with anybody that's willing to listen. And this is a very safe environment on my podcast. Because I can't see anybody laughing at me as I talk. Alright, well, move on to something else. Just under two miles to go. All right, we've got uh, two great comments this week, uh, both from loyal listeners. And uh, uh, if you're listening out there, uh, let me know you're listening. Send me an email, at, uh, and I've got a new email address. It's ashlandave at gmail.com. That's A-S-H-L-A-N-D-D-A-V-E at gmail.com. Uh, I'll set that up just to kind of simplify some things in my email life. Anyway, uh, first comment was from Meriwether. Uh, she sent in a comment and uh, says that she's figured out how she can run exactly a 5K uh, length uh, training run during her lunch break and still make it back to work all within one hour. And that's pretty remarkable, uh, especially if, she, had, if uh, she has any travel time in there from work to wherever she runs or maybe she just steps out the door. Um, she also jokingly said that she likes to run later in the evening uh, right before the uh, YMCA closes, maybe that's to limit her, her distance that she runs or, um, who knows, I think she said that in a joking manner and I think I know where she's coming from. Um, but anyway, Meriwether, thank you so much for the comment and especially for listening to the podcast. You've been a loyal listener from the beginning, I believe. And, uh, I really do appreciate that. And I hope that the podcast helped with at least one of your training runs. I try to keep them around 30 minutes. Um, if that's how long it takes you to do your 5k, uh, maybe it doesn't take you that long, but uh, sometimes it's hard to keep the podcast under 30 minutes. Anyway, thank you so much for listening. I really do appreciate you uh, sending in the feedback. Uh, another loyal listener, Rich, from the Woodlands, Texas, uh, he commented, put the, he's the first person to put a comment on the new site, uh, which is ashlandave.podbean.com. That's where I'm going to start posting the the blog, the uh, podcast, and uh, Rich said he commented on squeezing in the runs. Uh, he says that he runs real early in the morning. Uh, Five fifteen is uh, generally when he gets out there. Uh, so he said otherwise he wouldn't even get out. And then uh, when he's doing a training, uh, when he's running with a training group on the weekends, they start around six a.m. I guess that's because of the heat. And uh, he goes with a training group, or if he's doing a marathon training group, he'll they'll start really early in the morning. And um, Rich said to keep the podcast coming. Uh, so, Rich, I definitely will. And I uh, appreciate you listening. You've been listening from the beginning, too. And um, uh, you know that uh, some of the podcasts had better quality than others. And not that the better ones had uh, any high quality or anything. But uh, I do appreciate you listening and hanging in there and, and allow me to uh, try to ex- you know, experiment a little bit with the podcast. And uh, appreciate the comments. You've uh, sent in several. Uh, thank you very much for uh for your feedback um i do have a new email like i mentioned earlier uh where you can send in comments that's uh, ashlandave at gmail.com uh let me know you're out there uh send send me a note let me know who you are uh where you're from and uh, how you found out about the podcast and uh, 
If you have any race reports, uh, I'd be happy to uh, summarize those and put them out in the podcast for other people to listen to your experience. Uh, perhaps you've got some tips for others on the subject of running or uh, even the subject of this podcast, which was mental toughness. Uh, I'd like to share those with others as well as uh, take a look, look at it myself and uh, see if they'll work for me. So if you have any tips about stuff that um, are techniques that you use to uh, prepare yourself mentally uh, for a long distance race, please uh, email me or comment on the uh, website. Um, other people could, def- could definitely benefit from that. Um, so that's it for this week. Uh, you can also get the podcast on iTunes. Just uh, search under Ashland Dave, and uh, I will see talk to y'all next week. And that's it from the center of the universe, Ashland Dave. So I don't think Meriwether listens anymore. Uh, we're still friends with her, but Rich, uh, he listens. And from he was one of the original listeners from way back, 2008, obviously sending some comments. Rich, man, if you listen to that and you uh, or anybody else suffered through all that, appreciate it. Sure do. Uh, stand up and be counted. This is a small podcast, uh, ashlanddavidgmail.com. I'll have a 300th episode coming up. Won't be long. It won't be months. I'm back. I think I'm going to keep doing this. I'm back to running. Felt so good to get out there today. Uh, The goals are... I was going to do the Patrick Ernie Half Marathon, which is now the woke crowd has changed it to the Ashland Marathon, or Half Marathon. Uh, That coincided with something I already planned, which I was a dummy when I did that. Uh, so now the Richmond half is my focus for mid-November, and if uh, things go well for that, I'll be doing a spring marathon in some state. So thanks for listening. Y'all have a good week.